This evening we're going to be looking at Genesis 46 and 47. Now if you're looking on in your Bible, you may not want to do that tonight because I will be reading in the New Living Translation. If you have a New Living Translation, great. If not, you'll see the words on the screen. Now, the story so far is most of the story of Joseph. It's the story where he grew up and he had the multicolored coat and he was the, the chosen one, I guess. Maybe he thought he was. The brothers didn't like him, wanted to get rid of him. So he ended up being sold into slavery, which is better than being killed. And he ended up a slave. Right? He rose, though, in Potiphar's house but then was wrongfully accused of a crime that he did not commit, ended up in prison, ended up interpreting dreams for a butler and a baker there. And the butler went back to Pharaoh's household. The baker did not. And then he ended up staying in prison some more. And then finally, Pharaoh needed some help with uh, his dreams. And he provided not only interpretation, but a plan. And Pharaoh was so impressed that Joseph ended up running the country, being second only to Pharaoh himself. And as foretold, there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And a couple of years into that famine, people started to come in from Canaan to buy food, and that included Joseph's brothers. And they came back and forth. Um, they came to buy food, and Joseph sent them back, saying, come back with Benjamin, and I'll keep Simeon here. And uh, they came back with Benjamin. And then finally, he revealed himself to be Joseph, who they thought was sold into slavery and gone. And he also said to his brothers to go back, and take everything, take our father, and come back to Egypt, because the famine is going to continue and I want you to live. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. Genesis 46. So Jacob set out for Egypt with all his possessions, and when he came out to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt, and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close your eyes. So Jacob left Beersheba, and his sons took him to Egypt. They carried him and their little ones and their wives in the wagons Pharaoh had provided for them. They also took all of their livestock and all the personal belongings they had acquired in the land of Canaan. So Jacob and his entire family went to Egypt, sons and grandsons, daughters and granddaughters, and all of his descendants. And uh, so when we're talking about Jacob, we're talking about uh, Rachel, and we're talking about Leah, and we're talking about their maids, Zilpah and Bilhah, and all those kids. You can see Joseph there with the uh, multicolored coat. 
And I'm going to read along here. I do not prepare um, to read the names in advance. So if there's a difficult one, um, I will do my best, and it's there for entertainment purposes, okay? <laughs> These are the names of the descendants of Israel, the sons of Jacob who went to Egypt. Reuben was Jacob's oldest son. The sons of Reuben were Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shal. Shal's mother was a Canaanite woman. The sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The sons of Judah were Er, Onan, Shelah, Perez, and Zerah, though Er and Onan had died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Issachar were Tola, Pua, Jashub, and Shimron. The sons of Zebulun were Sered, Elon, and Jalil. These were the sons of Leah and Jacob who were born in Padan Aram in addition to their daughter Dinah. The number of Jacob's descendants, male and female, through Leah was 33. The, the sons of Gad were Zephon, Hagi, Shuni, Esbon, Eri, Aridi, and Arali. The sons of Asher were Imna, Ishva, Ishvi, and Beria. Their sister was Sarah. Beria's son, that could be Beriah, but his sons were Heber and Malkiel. The sons of Zilpah, the servant of given to Leah by her father Laban. The number of Jacob's descendants through Zilpah was 16. The sons of Jacob's wife, Rachel, were Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph's sons, born in the land of Egypt, were Manasseh and Ephraim. Their mother was Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On. Benjamin's sons were Bela, Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ahi, Rosh, Mupim, Hupim, and Ard. These were the sons of Rachel and Jacob. The number of Jacob's descendants through Rachel was 14. The son of Dan was Hushim. The sons of Naphtali were Jazil, Guni, Jazer, and Shilam. These were the sons of Bilhah, the servant given by Rachel by her father Laban. The number of Jacob's descendants through Bilhah was seven. The total number of Jacob's direct descendants who went with him to Egypt, not counting his son's wives, was 66. In addition, Joseph had two sons who were born in Egypt, so altogether there were 70 members of Jacob's family in the land of Egypt. And if you're looking at that, you're saying, hey, wait a minute, was it 66 or was it 70? Well, you take the 66, okay, you're going to add Jacob, Joseph, and then you're going to add Ephraim and Manasseh. That takes you to 70. As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions through the region of Goshen. And they finally arrived there. Joseph prepared to meet his chariot and traveled to Goshen to meet his father Jacob. When Joseph arrived, he embraced his father and wept, holding him for a long time. Finally, Jacob said to Joseph, Now I am ready to die, since I have seen your face again and know that you are still alive. So it's been decades. 
since Jacob thought his son was lost forever, dead, gone. That on top of losing his wife. Those events had turned him into a bitter man, had turned him into a sad man. And it was reflected in how he spoke when he was speaking to his sons during the time of the famine. But here, he not only knows Joseph is alive, but he sees them and he gets to see him. That must have been wonderful. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's entire family, I will go to Pharaoh and tell him my brothers and my father's entire family have come to me by the land from the land of Canaan. These men are shepherds and they raise livestock. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. Then he said, when Pharaoh calls you and asks you your occupation, you must tell him, we, your servants, have raised livestock all our lives, as our ancestors have always done. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the region of Goshen, for the Egyptians despise shepherds. Not the first time that's come up either. They must have, anybody who's an Egyptian probably was not a shepherd. They probably had people who came in from other lands to do that kind of work for them. Then Joseph went to see Pharaoh and told him, My father and brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and now they are in the region of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? They replied, We, your servants, are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt for a while, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there, so please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any place in the land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my life, livestock, too. I can imagine that Pharaoh has been looking for a chance to show Joseph how much he appreciated what he had done. And now he gets the chance, because now Joseph all of a sudden has this big family. Then Joseph brought in his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. Jacob blessed Pharaoh. How old are you, Jacob? Uh, Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I have traveled this earth for 130 hard years, but my life has been short compared to the life of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his court. So Pharaoh was very impressed by Joseph. He expected that uh, Jacob would be also an impressive man. I don't know... If that's the impression he got, but um, he was certainly old. <laughs> and back then, you didn't have a lot of old people. To be that old in that time was uh, marked you as a person who was specially blessed by God. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the region of Ramesses, to his brother and his fathers and settled them there just as Pharaoh had commanded. 
And Joseph provided food for his father and his brothers in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents, including the smallest children. And Ramesses and Goshen, same place. Meanwhile, the famine became so severe that all the food was used up and people were starving through the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan, and he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. And when the people of Egypt and Canaan ran out of money, all the Egyptians came to Joseph. Our money is gone, they cried, but please give us food or we die before your very eyes. Joseph replied, since your money is gone, bring me your livestock and I will give you food in exchange for your livestock. So they brought their livestock to Joseph in exchange for food, in exchange for their horses, flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and donkeys. And Joseph provided them with food for another year. Wow, all of those animals. How's Pharaoh going to get people to take care of them? Hmm. Maybe it's the uh, 66 people that came over, that so many of the men there were uh, herdsmen by trade. So that God orchestrated something here. He orchestrated, on the one hand, people giving their flocks to Pharaoh. On the other hand, bringing in herdsmen who knew how to take care of his flocks. And, and Pharaoh said, yes, if they have special skills, let them take care of my flocks, which are suddenly going to get a lot bigger. And that's what happened. And that was God moving. And that was something I didn't really understand about the story because uh, it was a familiar story to me, but the story was God talks to J uh, Jacob and says, go back to Egypt. So everyone goes back to Egypt, the end. But it's not the end. There's more. But that year ended, and the next year came again, and they said, We cannot hide the truth from you, my lord. Our money is gone, and all of our livestock and cattle are yours. We have nothing left to give you but our bodies and our land. Why should we die before your very eyes? Buy us and our land in exchange for food. We offer our land and ourselves as slaves. For Pharaoh, just give us some grain so that we may live and not die. And so the land does not become empty and desolate. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. All of the Egyptians sold them their fields because the famine was so severe, and soon he made the land belong soon all the land belonged to Pharaoh. As for the people, he made them all slaves from one end of Egypt to the other. The only land he did not buy was the land belonging to the priests. They received an allotted food directly from Pharaoh, so they didn't need to sell their land. Then Joseph said to the people, look, today I bought you and your land for, for Pharaoh. I will provide you with seed so you can plant the fields. Then when you have harvested it, keep one-fifth of the crop, or one-fifth of your crop will belong to Pharaoh. You may keep the remaining four-fifths as seed for your fields and as food for you, your households, and your little ones. You have saved our lives, they exclaimed. May it please you, my Lord, to let us be Pharaoh's servants. 
Joseph then issued a decree still in effect in the land of Egypt that the Pharaoh should receive one-fifth of all the crops grown on his land. Only the land belonging to the priests was not given to Pharaoh. Now, why didn't Joseph just say, okay, I'm going to distribute the food for free, and you guys can all line up, and I'll distribute it. And um, I didn't major, well, I did major in economics for a while before I changed it three more times. But way back in the day, I do remember some things. And um, even though food was scarce, if you suddenly make it available, people aren't going to treat it like, like it's scarce. They're going to not just take what they need for their family, but they're going to try to take as much as they can, and then they're going to try to sell some of that. Okay, People are going to be looking for angles to, 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 to get in on the food. Some people will try to get more food than they really should have. Okay, um, The way that he chose to, to approach this was to make the people give up something of value for the food. And it worked for the people because everyone got the food that they needed. They didn't get too much food. Um, there wasn't a lot of um, fighting. We don't see anything about that. Uh, it was good for uh, the government of Egypt because they got further control of uh, property. They got control of livestock. And the livestock was pres preserved, so we didn't have people doing mass slaughter of cattle in order to eat something. The cattle were preserved. Um, and it, it seems like it's kind of cruel, but it actually turned out to be good for the people. And, and they only had to give Pharaoh 20%. I mean, there are uh, governments and cultures in history where, people took, where, where they took much, much more from their people than what was happening here. As a matter of fact, probably our taxes are more than 20% if you add them all up. Meanwhile, the people of Israel settled in the region of Goshen and Egypt. There they acquired property, and they were fruitful, and their population grew rapidly. Jacob lives for 17 years after his arrival in Egypt, so he lived 147 years in all. At the time of, as the time of his death drew near, Jacob called his son Joseph and said to him, Please do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will treat me with unfailing love by honoring this last request. Do not bury me in Egypt. When I die, please take my body out of Egypt and bury me with my ancestors. So Joseph promised, I will do as you ask. Swear that you will do it, Jacob insisted. So Joseph gave his oath and Jacob bowed humbly at the head of his bed. And Jacob bowing to Joseph was a fulfillment of another dream. There were two dreams. One involved bushels of wheat bowing down, and the other involved the sun, the moon, and the stars bowing down to him when he was a teenager. And this was the fulfillment of the second dream, the, the, Jacob being the son. And I can imagine if Leah was alive and some of the other, that everyone was, you know, dad bows down, everybody bows down. 
That's the fulfillment of the prophecy. I'd like to circle back now and talk about why did God speak to Jacob again? Well, Jacob had concerns about Egypt. Um, Egypt had not been a good place for his family. Abraham had gone there during a famine. And um, this was one of those times where he tried to pass off his wife as his sister, and it didn't go well. The Pharaoh said, yeah, you know what? I'm going to add you to my uh, harem. And then God had to intervene. So that didn't go well. And then with Isaac, God, one of the times God spoke to Isaac, he said, don't go to Egypt. So... I can understand it if Jacob felt like Egypt was not the place for him to go. And here, God was reassuring him that, yes, you could go to Egypt. Let's take a look back at, um, at Jacob's encounters with God. The first one was at Bethel, a place that he named, on the way to Padan Aram, and that was where he would uh, marry Rachel and Leah. At the same time, he was also fleeing Esau because he had stolen um, his blessing and had cheated him out of his birthright, which we covered before. And it was at Bethel that he had vowed that he would come back there one day and, and offer sacrifice to God. And then when he was in Padan Aram, God came to him and said, it's time to go back. Jacob being Jacob, he always had an angle he had to work. And so, yeah, he was heading back, but his father-in-law was on his heels. And on the way back from Padan Aram, well, that's when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And that was when he was on his way to face his brother Esau. So it seemed like when God was talking to him, he was either um, going away from trouble or he was heading towards what looked like trouble. In Sheshem, he told him to return to Bethel because he said he'd go there. He stopped 30 miles short and he stayed at Sheshem. And finally, God had to come to him and say, look, you've got to go. You have to fulfill your promise. Not that staying in Sheshem was a great idea, because there were some bad things that happened there, like the massacre of all the men in the village by Levi and Simeon. God was not done with Jacob yet, and that's part of the reason, I believe, that God was speaking to him getting his attention, reassuring him. Reassuring him not only that it was okay to go to Egypt, but that, yes, I am going to make a great nation out of you and through your children. Because Jacob's job wasn't done. He would be blessing his children. And not only would he be blessing them, he'd be speaking prophetically. And if I'm Jacob, maybe I'm taking a deep breath when, when it comes to thinking of he, him thinking of blessing his own sons because he could think back of 
what happened with him and with Esau and with Isaac, his father. That might have given him some foreboding, but God wanted him to know that he hadn't been forgotten. And God wanted him to pay attention for what would come along in the future, because this story is not over yet. And within the confines of the story itself, without thinking about the rest of the Bible and knowing how things, we know how things end up, um, the story is not an expected ending. And I'll explain that as we move along and we're, go, we're talking about the blessings, but, but it's not the expected ending. And, but it is the ending that God wanted and it was part of his overall redemptive plan. So, And we'll pick up from there. There wasn't a whole lot um, in these two chapters, but there were some things and, and some things to think about. And, and the most important thing to me was that uh, Jacob being reminded that God was still thinking of him. And um, I think there's a principle there because we go through seasons of life where maybe we're not thinking too much of God or maybe we think God's not thinking of us because of things that happen to us or things that happen to, pe to people that we love. But God will always seek to remind us that he's there and that he loves us. Let's pray. Lord, we are thankful.